You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 86 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Uh, on this fine Friday, as you're listening to this, I have a special guest, a repeat guest, a legendary guest. His name is Robbie Callen. What's up, man? What's happening? 86. Yeah, man, we're grinding, lot, out. Man. We're grinding out here. Uh, we're like 20 games in the season, 86. Yeah, that's what happened. When, 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 when you start in July, man, that's what happens. You, you bank Ooh, like boy. 40, 50 shows before the season starts. and yeah, uh, We're probably not getting any better, I don't think, but hey, it's fine. We're here. Uh this is the first time in a while we've had a show without without a game because the Hawks have been super busy. So this is sort of an off day show, which is allows us to kind of bounce around a little bit. The Hawks are, uh, as you and I both well know, not playing super well right now. Not uh, not, not great. I was uh, last one I was in the house for was the the Tim Frazier show. Oh, I love some Tim Frazier. I know it's that's uh, not allowed, big, but Big Ten basketball in the building. So much Big Ten basketball. Penn State's <laughs> finest, Tim Frazier. Um, the greatest player in the history of Penn State, and also like he just for some reason plays better at Phillips Arena than he does in any other building uh, in the NBA. So that was that was incredible. He had like thirty and fifteen. He did twenty-seven and fifteen, something like that. It was uh, insane. He's kind of good, um, and that was yep. the uh, was, for those of you who don't know who Tim Frazier is. It was the Pelicans game that sort of started this whole thing. As the uh, the Hawks have now lost seven of eight. We talked yep. about uh, the Phoenix game extensively yesterday with Jeff Siegel, but uh, so I, I don't want to get super deep on Phoenix. But uh, I guess Robbie, what have you seen from this team? You know, lately, I think we all know that the offense has kind of been the problem. But uh, yep. any, any, you know, big picture takeaways from you on this? Like uh, the last time the Hawks went, lost seven of eight was in twenty early twenty fourteen, for reference. So this is this is uncharted territory here. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the this was the feeling of what the worst case of the Hawks is um, a team that is good to great defensively, depending on the night, and one that just can absolutely fall apart offensively. Um, it has so many players, particularly in the backcourt, that are streaky shooters. That if all of them go cold together as they appear to have done in recent weeks, uh, things can go south real quick. I mean, you talk about Dennis, not a consistent shooter. Really not a consistent... The the problem we're running into is Dennis is not exactly uh, consistent at creating shots for himself or anyone on on a game-to-game basis. There are some games where he looks like the guy that everybody projects him to be. Um, he's making shots. He's taking. He's he's creating his space for a little open pull up, getting to the rim. Uh, he's slotting the ball to Dwight and, and and Millsap in the pick and roll. He's finding the open shooters. Then there's other games where he kind of forgets passing the ball is important. And he dribbles it into the ground. And he takes bad shots. And when he does that, the, the offense obviously is going to suffer. But then you have Thabo's cooled off from his hot streak. Yeah, he opened the season on fire. That, I think that was part of the, the thing. We, the, you know, I'm, I'm you, stunned by that. By the way, that Tava would cool, yeah. would cool off. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, the, the opening of the season, two of two of the Hawks' best players were Thabo Cephalosha and Mike Muscala. Like, you just couldn't expect that to be a season-long thing. The problem is, as they've cooled off, 
the improvement has not come from other people around them at those positions. You can only expect Millsap and Howard to be able to do so much. Millsap obviously being banged up is not good uh, and, and doesn't help. And obviously be if he had played in that Phoenix game, maybe that goes differently. But, and we'll get into this here shortly, um, the backcourt just isn't doing anything, especially, you know, you, you look at Bazemore at, at the two and you're not getting much out of two. Tim Hardaway has kind of come back down to earth after a hot start as well. So you were relying on a lot of kind of guys that you can't rely on and the guys you're supposed to be able to rely on haven't come up to fill the gap as those other guys have fallen off. I think that's what you're seeing the last two weeks or so. Um, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's basically what this is. I mean, uh, I think we all knew, at least people that were clued in, knew that the Hawks were not going to be quite as good as they were when they were 9-2 and two with like a plus 10 net rating. That seemed pretty un- pretty unsustainable, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they've, they're also not as bad as they've been lately. Uh, you, you mentioned it. You know, it's kind of the perfect storm of, on the perimeter with every, everybody kind of slumping at the same time. Uh, we saw yeah. Dennis play super well um, the last couple of games, you know, career high yeah. in Phoenix and play well in, in, in Golden State, but was awful before then for a good little stretch. Uh, yep. Kent, uh, which you famously predicted before the season on this podcast, uh, Bazemore is not 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 living up to the uh, the billing thus far, and I think you know Kent is yes. better than he's been so far, but um, yeah. it's not been good. And you know, no. Tim's he's played pressing. well. I mean, to be honest, Hardaway's probably yeah. been the best in terms of, especially uh, when, when comparing to expectations. Hardaway's been the best uh, you know perimeter player on the team mm-hmm. so far. But uh, that's not that's not where you want to be because he's still he's still not that good. I mean, Tim's been yeah. fine and pretty encouraging. But uh, you know, Kyle's been fine also. Kyle does Kyle stuff, but he's not shooting the ball a lot. He's shooting the ball well, but it's getting him open and getting him free. And you see his yeah. you see his limitations and all those things. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a roller coaster ride on the outside right now. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is, and this is something I think we've seen for the better part of a year and a half now is teams have that first season nobody can figure out how to find Kyle and Bud's offense. Uh, teams have the tape on him. They know what to do, where he's going to be and what looks they're going to try and get him. Um, and so I think teams just have figured out how to defend him in this offense. And he's not getting the looks he got that first season when he broke the record of three consecutive games with threes. And he was doing all this stuff and there, and you know, made the all-star team and like all this stuff. Um, which was always insane, by the way, that was, that was was hilarious. I love okay. I love Kyle. Everybody knows that. I always defend Kyle, but him being an all star was was funny. Hilarious. But I mean that's what you know, but teams figured it out. After that season, they figured out you kind of stop Kyle and you slow down this offense. Uh so they put a lot more emphasis on that. And you know, when the backcourt goes down, you're feeding Millsap a lot of touches. Which is fine, but that also means you're trying to feed Dwight more touches, which means you're feeding Dwight in the post, which is a recipe for disaster. Uh, you can ask any Lakers or Rockets fan that. Um, so yeah, I mean the backcourt's just got to be better. You know, I I I, ho- I was hoping I was going to be wrong about Bazemore, but this is a guy who had a career year by a lot last year. I mean, it was a significant jump up and. This isn't a situation where Kent got the money and got lazy, or and that's not Bazemore. This is a situation where a guy who overachieved for a year is coming back down to earth and now is pressing and compounding those issues by shooting too much when he's not shooting well and doing not not trying to take the ball out of his hands. He's trying to create and do too much where. 
if he goes back to the things that made him really good, which was shooting when he's open and not trying to take contested shots and not forcing shots, shooting when he's open, moving off the ball, cutting, uh, and playing defense and, and being the effort guy, I think he's trying to figure out what his role is supposed to be as one of the highest paid guys on the team. I think he feels like so many people, when you get that money, you got to step your game up, step your role up. I, I think the Hawks need to talk to him. Bud needs to talk to him and be like, hey, like we want you to be Kent Bazemore. We don't want you to be you know, the guy. We need you to be you, which is a guy on the team. you know. And, and I think what you're seeing right now from Bazemore – is um, just impressing and trying to do too much. And tr- I think he feels the pressure of that contract to live up to that contract when if he just plays how he can play within himself, he would be fine and, and he would live up to that deal um, doing the little things that got him that deal. Uh, yeah, I think, the, I think the role stuff is very interesting. I talked that, about that a little bit with Jeff the other day. Uh, my my guess is that I think you know they probably wanted a little bit more out of Bays. You know, when they signed sure. the contract, they probably want him to do a little bit more than he's done in the past. And you know, having Schroeder and Howard out there instead of Teague and Horford also kind of makes it a necessity for Bays to do a little bit more. Yeah. I think he has gone too far the other way, as you said. Like he's taken some some really reckless shots. You know, some even some uh, not really necessarily jump shots because you know, there's probably a few too many of those. But for me, it's more of the stuff where he's trying to create one on one off the dribble. Yes, you know, not. He's not great at that. He's he, he's a, he's a guy who you, who you want filling a lane in transition. He's not a guy who you want you know breaking down in the half court and kind of going one on one and trying to get him to paint. He's not great at that. Um, he's active and he looks like yep. he's trying hard because he is. And Kent, I think you know, I, I definitely am on record saying that he's definitely pressing. Um, but you know, it's at the, at the same time he's shooting a uh, what is basically a career low true, true shooting percentage, forty seven point seven percent true shooting. Worse since he was a rookie <laughs> in Golden State. Like so, it's going to get better. Uh, what yep. I don't think is it's going to get back to. 55% true shooting like it was last year. It's going to be somewhere in the middle there, and that's kind of what we both expected. Yeah, I think you're going to see him. He should improve. I mean, he's going to settle in. The shots are going to fall some. I mean, that's just what happens. But, again, I think I think they just need to figure out how to work him um, less as maybe a primary role and figure out how to get him similar touches to what made him so good last year. Um and I think a lot of that is working him off the ball. But like you said, and this goes back to the issue we talked about long ago, uh, there's not a whole lot of ball handlers on this squad. Or shooters. So, or shooters. So, so there's you need not, a lot of space, not a lot of space and not a lot of ball handling. And again, the issue that I keep running into while I look at this roster is there is not a veteran point guard on the team. There's not anybody that can come in. And if Dennis is being reckless Dennis – there's no one you can bring in to slow the bleeding and get the offense back on track because nobody can really take the reins. Like Malcolm Delaney's fine, but he's not great. He's not a veteran. He doesn't know uh, the little ins and outs of just kind of getting the offense back. He often is looking for his own. Um, the Hawks need to go find a point guard. That just seems to be – the reoccurring theme for me is like this whole thing with just him and with Schroeder and Delaney, just it's, it's just not going to work long-term on a consistent basis. You're going to have a lot of streakiness in, in both how they play and how the team plays. I think that's what we're going to see a lot from this Hawks team is, uh, you know, losing seven out of eight, winning nine out of 11, and it's going to go back and forth. And I think this team is what it is, which is a streaky 500 team. 
Yeah, this. I mean, I think we both agree on where they kind of are uh, in the in aggregate. And I, I want to say, you know, the Hawks, I think, realize that they need more creation. That's why you go draft DeAndre Bembry. That's yeah. why they did a couple things they did. It's just right now they're in this weird spot with these guys on, you know, what essentially one-year contracts like Corver and Cephalosha. They just pay yeah. Bays more, so they have to play him. Hardaway's a free agent. I mean, they have a lot of decisions to make. Uh, I think they're probably aware that, you know, having Dennis be the end-all and be-all of offensive creation is not going to be a sustainable model. I yeah. hope they know that. Um, you know, <laughs> I think Dennis is going to improve, and we both like Dennis. It's just one of those things where uh, right now, and I mean, I said this, even though I, I like the contract, I really did. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, in year one, I'm not expecting him to be living up to it. And he's not so far. It's one of those things where he's still young. There's some there's some uh, progression that's built into that contract that he's going to have to get a little bit better to justify it. And, you know, there's there's been some really high, some really high highs. He was great against Golden State. He was great against Cleveland early in the year. He was really good. He was good, really good against Phoenix on Wednesday. Yep. So it's there's some stuff, but there's, there's those games where he has you know eight turnovers and three assists, and it's like man, Dennis can't play tonight. But your point, I mean, I, I like Malcolm Delaney, and he's he's more of a steadying guy than you might imagine as a rookie. But your point is your, your point is valid. He's not he's still not a vet. You know, he's 27 years old, but he's yep. he's a rookie is what it is. Um, yep. And they don't really have that other they don't really have another option. That's why I keep That's railing on the Shelvin Mack thing forever. Yeah. Uh, it's it's I'm, it's kind of a situation where I'm almost making making fun of myself on that one now. To where the, I got so <laughs> mad about that trade. But I'm still mad about it. It didn't, it didn't make sense <laughs> then. It doesn't make sense now. And you know, shovel wouldn't fix everything either. It's, that's the that's the part where I'm kind of making fun of myself. But they need another guy, another option. Even if it's not a point guard, somebody on the second unit who can come in and uh, even be a secondary creator would be really nice. And they're trying that with Hardaway, but that's not his role. Like he's a gunner. Like that's what he is. He's a gunner. It's fine. Yep. That's what he should be. He could, he's actually good at that. Um, but. That's what he is. He's not really a guy who's going to get you into your offense, which is what they they tried that tried to do that do that a few times, and that's not going to work. Nope. Uh, I wanted to ask you. You know, now that we're almost twenty games in, I wanted to get your opinion on on Dwight. Honestly, we talked about him on both your visits so far, but you know, kind of checking on on where you think things are with Dwight. You know, he's played well. I think that's kind of undisputed. But in terms of fit. Um, how much of the offensive issues? Um, obviously, we talked about a lot, a lot about guard play, so that's obviously part of the problem. But how much of it is built around you know declining at center in terms of offense? Uh, and what you've seen from Dwight defensively to be able to uh, sort of be the centerpiece along with Paul of what is still somehow after the last couple of weeks is still the elite's best defense so far. Yeah, I mean defensively, it's it's working out very well. Um, they've tweaked some of the pick and roll stuff where Horford used to hedge high, you know, on, on a lot of those high pick and rolls on the point guard, and they would they would send the point guard over the top. And uh, I think now you're seeing when Dwight's involved, they'll they'll send the point guard under a little more, and Dwight tends to hang back so he can rotate back. Uh, he's not as fast as Al. Al used to kind of he'd do that hard hedge, and then he'd do the weird little Al sprint back with his hands over his head trying to block any entry pass. Uh, as he got back <laughs> a staple i love that. Sta- a staple of, of the hogs defense and you know dwight doesn't do that but they've they've made a very smooth adjustment to that it's still a really good defensive team and he's been fantastic on that end um and part of that is because he's he's been fantastic on the boards um you, you can't deny the uptick in rebound i think the hawks are seventh in rebounding per game right now uh which is not something the hawks ever were night and day uh, and that helps on defense because even if there are certain things that you give up in terms of athleticism on the perimeter and, and creativity you can do in pick and roll defense with Dwight, um, the fact that he will get back down to the paint, 
um, and is going to stay down there and is going to box out and get those rebounds is going to negate any maybe uptick opponents might get in field goal percentage because they're not going to get second chance points as often. Um, so the Hawks have been significantly better there on the rebounding part, offensive and defensive, um, which is good to see. And that's, that's the biggest, that's the thing. I, and, and that was the one thing that I knew was going to happen. I didn't think it would happen on this level necessarily because I wasn't sure how Bud would adjust, you know, Bud likes guys to just run back on defense, especially on the offensive glass, but he's allowed Dwight, kind of freedom to pick and choose when he goes after those offensive boards a little more. Um, and they've crashed the defensive glass well around him. Uh, on offense, you know, they miss Al. They miss the spacing. Um, you know, I talked when I was on right before the season, I talked about the vertical spacing would be nice with Dwight because he will stay on the baseline and kind of stretch it that way. But that requires the horizontal spacing to be brought by others. And the fact that there's not um, the shooting around the perimeter this year that the Hawks have had a few, a couple years ago, uh, not even really last year, but but two to three years ago, the effectiveness of the shooters has hurt. That's really hurt. The fact that Bays is knocking down shots, Dennis is not a great three point shooter. Kyle's fine, but they're able to key in on him because he's one guy on the perimeter, um, and, and you just aren't as worried about the three point shot. I think that has hampered what Dwight's able to do. You can't throw it into the post to him consistently. It's just not a, that's not a recipe for an efficient offense. He's going to, you know, pound into the ground. And if you're making him take those shots, those are the games where you're going to look at him being more inefficient than you want him to be. Um, when they're able to, uh, work him in pick and roll and there is the space for him to rim run, We've seen they can get hot with those lobs. You know, it's kind of like watching semi-pro. They just keep throwing lobs to them, um, and they'll do it on like three straight plays, and it's great. Semi-pro, and, and then, yeah, like at the end when they were in the all alley offense, yeah. Um, you know, Dennis can get into him. Paul likes that little short lob to him from the from the weak side uh, when he gets the ball in the post and somebody doubles over. Paul likes to throw that. You know, they so they're able to get it to him in creative ways for easy buckets. Um, but he's not a guy that you can just feed the the rock to. I mean, looking at his numbers this year, he doesn't have a game with more than his one game with more than 13 attempts and both of his highest attempt games were against the Lakers, which doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't. Um, yeah. That's because that's a team game. he wants to beat. Yep. But <clears throat> you know, it's, it's one of those things where he lives in that eight to 12 range of shots per game and that's kind of where he's going to be so you have to be able to find the offense outside of Dwight oh yeah Uh, and And that's the issue that I think the Hawks are running into is you have Dwight as a he should be your tertiary option on offense as that lob guy as that cleanup guy you know what your primary option is in Millsap but what's your secondary option, especially when your secondary option has to be on the ball? Because you can't have, you know, you have two guys in Dwight and Paul that aren't going to be on the ball all the time. Uh, who's your on-ball creator? And that's where the Hawks offense stalls out. And that's what you have to have around Dwight, uh, is an on-ball creator and shooters. And right now the Hawks just don't have it right now. So as far as fit on defense, I give it an A, A+. On offense, I think you're looking at a C right now if you have to grade it just because he's been good at what he's good at. But as far as fit with this roster, it's not working right now. 
Yeah, I mean that's it's important to note that it's not Dwight's fault. I, I've been no. the first to say. I mean, I didn't I didn't love the move, but it had a, a, lot, a lot less to do with Dwight than anything else. And he's he's outperformed what I thought he would. So it's got really little really little to do with him. He's doing what I want him to do for the most part. You know, the post the post ups are unwatchable, uh, but they're, <laughs> they're they're few and far between though, which is nice. I mean, I'm I'm all about giving him a couple of game to keep him happy if that's what he wants. That's totally fine. He's busting his butt on both ends of the floor. So. Dwight's been an A for me in terms of individually. He's been great. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think but yeah, the fit stuff is second best player on the team, if not the best player on the team at times. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, I, I'm always going to default to Paul, but he's certainly been certainly been number two. No question about that. Uh, yeah. Part of that is because some of the other guys have slagged have have uh, you know lagged behind considerably. Guys, you'd like to jump into that next class, but yeah, there's no debate right now as to who the second best player on the team is. It's it's Dwight. There's no question. Um, I don't know. I was going to ask you, I mean, you kind of hit on it a little bit there about, about the fit between just b- between Dwight and Paul exclusively. I mm-hmm. kind of positive that, you know, some of Dwight's, I mean, some of Paul's early season struggles with efficiency offensively, like his, his numbers are way down in terms of, um, you know, true shooting and PR, things like that offensively. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with Dwight and fit as well. Um, Paul doesn't have as much room as he used to have, and you know he works in that mid post area a lot. Uh, again, mm-hmm. not a fault of not a fault of Dwight's, but you think is a situation where this is kind of the new norm for Paul, or are you expecting him to bounce back a little bit? I think last year was a career year for Bill Savage in the same way that it was for Baysmore. So yeah. I'm expecting him not to get all the way back there. But you think this is sort of the new norm, or is Paul going to get you know kind of regress back to the mean in a positive way in terms of you know maybe picking things up a little bit offensively? Well, I think again, part of it is Millsap looks around him and says, "Who, who, who else do I trust to get these buckets?" That's true. You know, I mean, like I think a lot of it is, I think part of it's the spacing. I think it's more of the new normal as opposed to last year. Um, I think that was always a concern that Millsap was going to be either more crowded. It was going to be more crowded when he gets in the paint in that mid post and would either be pushed out to the perimeter or just live with those looks. And it seems right now that he's just going to live with those looks, which I think is the smart play. Um, but I mean, you look around him and he's just gotta, he's gotta go after it because, um, when he does get crowded, him taking a contested, but rhythmic, you know, mid post shot at this point is a better option than a whole lot of guys on the perimeter taking an open look. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's true somehow. That's, that's where we're at. So when he takes that little 12 foot push shot that he likes when he gets himself, you know, basketball players have their spots on the court where when they get there and they have the look, they're going to take it. And one of Paul's is that little kind of half turn to the push shot from about 12 feet, uh, usually on the left side of the court. Um, he kind of gets in that mid post and he turns over the right shoulder and does that little, not a hook, but a little one handed push shot. Um, so when he gets that, you know, he's not going to turn that down when it's semi contested, but he's on his spot to kick it out to Kent Bazemore for a potentially contested three uh, or, or late contest three because Kent's not shooting the ball well. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think he's pressing a little bit. Not in the same way Ken is, but he's just like, okay, maybe I'm going to take a couple more of these looks than I normally would. Uh, he's not going to just be able to slot it to Al on the opposite elbow for an open look when there's help coming because the help's coming from a different angle um, or, or, you know, there's no help coming, but they don't have to worry about Dwight, you know, up at the high post or something like that. You know, it's just – there's different looks he's getting from the defenses, and I just think he's going to kind of have to work that out. I do think he'll get a little more efficient, but most of that is I think the rest of the Hawks shooters are going to slowly start 
regressing back to the mean, and it's going to have to kind of work that way. For sure. That's going to be interesting to see with Paul. And hopefully he's healthy. You know, he missed Wednesday's game, and we don't know a ton about Friday. You know, he's questionable for Friday night's game. I think he's probably going to play, but the fact that he's questionable is a little bit worse than all of the Hawks are often taking some liberties with their injury report. As, uh, <laughs> I know you know that, and I do as well. No, never? Never never any engagementship uh, from the Hawks. What's on, the, what, uh, time did, what time did we get that Paul Millsap out email about five minutes before tip? Yeah, uh, Vivian Moore broke it probably – yeah, 20 minutes before, maybe 30 minutes before, and then the actual release came about, yeah, 10 minutes before tip, something like that. So yeah. typical typical Hawks. I had a feeling he wouldn't play. As soon as, they, as soon as they put him on the injury report, it's questionable. They don't really, for me, they don't, they don't do that unless I think he's probably not going to play because they have to have some cover to say, look, he was questionable. Uh, and the same thing with, with Mike Scott when he actually came back. Um, they listed him as questionable, and I immediately uh, messaged Chris Willis and said, well, Mike's playing. Because they have no reason, to put him, they have no reason to make him questionable if, he, if he's not going to play um, right. after he's been out for two months or whatever it was. So it's one of those things where they're pretty. It's transparent in, in a way that's not transparent, if that makes sense. You can kind of figure out by reading the tea leaves whether he's going to play or not. Although Friday's interesting, we'll see. He's you know he's still questionable, and we'll yeah. see about Paul. Hopefully he's uh, healthy because that's a guy who needs to be healthy. We saw uh, we saw the ugliness of the team without Paul Millsap on Wednesday. Uh, they win that game with him. I'm pretty pretty confident. They should have won anyway, honestly, because Phoenix is bad. Um, yeah. But they pretty. I'm pretty sure they won that game with Paul. Uh, well, before I let you get out of here, I have, to, I have to ask you one, you know, sort of nerdy question, and that is, who plays more minutes from this point forward, Mike Scott or Chris Humphreys? Oh my goodness. Um. There's a lot. There's a lot to digest there. I know because I think we pretty yeah, much penciling. Me. I'll I'll let you think about this for a second, but by by uh, pontificating. But I think Mike Mike Muscala is pretty well entrenched now as the third big. Uh, right. He'd have to go through a pretty long stretch of not playing well to got to kind of lose that job. So it's really battling for those fourth big minutes at least until Splitter gets back. And both guys kind of do different things, but I don't know. Like who? It's more. It's kind of about who who fits better with Paul, who fits better with the Y, who fits better with Moose in that second in that second unit. Uh, I have an opinion, but I'm interested in as to what yours is going to be. I mean, my thing is, if you're going to play, I'm going to say Mike Scott. And I think it's for the shooting. Because I think they are desperate to have anybody that can shoot right now. And maybe that changes as we go on. Um, but if you're going to put someone next to Dwight, you're not as worried about the rebounding. Oh, yeah. You, Humphrey, you cannot play Humphreys, Humphreys and Dwight. You can't do no, it. No, they can't. And so, I think you're most likely going to see Mike Scott come in as the power forward replacement. Um, and Humphrey's minutes start dropping. And I think Bud will start rotating it to where either Paul or Dwight are on the floor most of the time. That's what I was going to say. Honestly, that, I'd like to see some staggering. Get, that way they can get Paul you know, if you Paul and Moose, maybe Paul and Humph, if you want to go real small, just it, to get that rebound. But probably Paul and Moose, and then Dwight and Mike Scott as your main kind of bench tandems. And, and I think if you see Humphreys play, he's probably playing with Moose in a bench lineup. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, on, I'm kind of on record that I don't think Humphreys is very good. I mean, that's an unpopular opinion because people people, people seem, seem to love Humphreys. I don't think he's very good. The one thing he is good at, though, is rebounding, and your, your point is a valid one, is that um, playing him with Dwight, you know, you don't need rebounding. And for me, I guess you could play him with Muscala, but 
you know, offensively, I, I don't know. Moose, Moose brings some versatility to the table. I don't know. I think the big takeaway is that any li- any bench lineup that doesn't, you know, any pure bench lineup, any pure bench combination of the of those three is something that I don't like. You know, Mike yeah, and, Mike and Mike doesn't work together. I don't think just defensively. I don't think you can really sustain against most lineups playing those the guys. Mike, together. The Mike and Mike's the no. Mike and Mike duo. Um, cannot can I mean your defensive rating is gonna. Well, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, and you're gonna have hits. to. You got to guard. I, I do think you know Mike Scott's like a guy that I've kind of killed a lot, but provided he's you know ninety percent of the guy he was a year ago, I think him him pairing with Howard is a very interesting and something yeah. I want to see more of because of the fact that you need the shooting, like you said. And Dwight can kind of mask a lot of the stuff that Mike really suffers from. Yep. And, you know, in the end, I think that fourth big minutes are going to be pretty. There'll be some games, and we've already seen them already before Scott came back, where they only play three bigs. You know, we've seen yep. a couple of nights where Muscala was the only one that played. He played twenty something minutes, and that's yep. enough. Um, yeah. But Bud doesn't like to do that. I think that's we've seen that. Bud likes to play ten yeah. guys. He played ten guys in the first quarter on Wednesday, and that's that's on a night when they when they didn't have Paul Millsap. So yeah. he's, uh, I think, I think, um, yeah, I think the Mike and the Mike and Dwight thing is, and, and that's another interesting thing to see if Mike looks like a better defender and his numbers improve just because, I mean, if, if there's one thing that Dwight's going to do, you know, he's going to be hanging around the rim area and Mike, um, you know, we know he's not a super strong defender. He's decent on the perimeter, but <laughs> I'm stretching here, but the thing I is, appreciate like, that Dwight too. Behind, it's good effort. But with, but with Dwight behind them, I mean, the thing is, you know, he's he's never played with somebody who has like an anchor behind him. That's not to say Al Horford was a great rim protector and a really good defender. However, he's not an anchor in the sense that he's always going to be there. Right. Al will roam. Al will follow guys out. Dwight will not. Dwight is going to stay in that paint area. Um, unless it is a unless he's playing a five that absolutely on the scouting report it says you gotta chase him all the way out. Um, he tends to hang back even in the pick and roll. Like I said, he's not quite as high up as Al was. So I think that could help Mike look better. Like you said, mask it. And um, if Mike can still shoot, they need that desperately. Oh, fire alarm! Fire alarms are great for podcasts. Uh. My roommate's cooking. Your boy Jay, the legend. Jay, Jay, in the, Shout Jay, to Jay in the kitchen, setting it off. Um, but with with that with that in mind, though, like you know, Mike Scott was awful in his debut. He played four minutes. They, I think, they pretty much saw what they needed to see, and he wasn't ready, really ready to go. Kind of rusty. But I think if he can, not you know, last year he shot thirty nine percent from three. That seems high for Mike. Uh, it was kind of an outlier on the rest of his career. So. Um, I'm expecting him that to, that to come down a little bit, but he, he does provide more shooting than anybody else. You know, Mike Muscala shot the ball well so far, but Mike Scott's a more dangerous, you know, more respected floor spacer than Mike Muscala is. And again, you need you need shooting. I would say this was, since before the season started, the Hawks don't have enough shooting. And if you can, have, that's the one thing we kind of know that Mike's Mike is willing to shoot for sure. Mike Scott is willing to shoot, as I've he said, will shoot. he will shoot. Um, and that's good. Honestly, they they need a guy who's ready to just catch and fire. Uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. We'll see how that we'll, have, we'll see how things go. Fire alarms are gonna ruin the podcast, but fire alarms are just out here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna. It's, have, the, it's the Mike Scott's gonna shoot alarm. Yeah, Mike's Mike's back. That means uh, things are, <laughs> things are hot out in here. So, uh, Robbie, I've kept you long enough, my friend. Plug anything you want, and then obviously you'll be back because you're always back. But plug things. I'm around. Uh, yeah, read me over on CBSSports.com. College football, golf, boxing, MMA. 
every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll flirt around with the NBA. Uh, sports oh, plug, online. Your, plug your uh, plug your uh, DJ thing for Uprox. Oh yeah, if you uh, if you pop over Uprox Dime Mag on Uprox did a uh, a fun thing on entering the DJs, of course, including the great Big Tigger and also uh, Sir Foster, the world's greatest with, organist, Sir Foster, the world's greatest organist. Uh, also, like the DJ Irie in Miami. Um, and OG one out in Portland. Uh, you can look for that. Just if you just Googled up rocks, NBA DJs, I'm sure it would come up. Um, if you're into the gambling thing, sportsline.com always firing up picks. I will be dipping into NBA lines soon enough when I've got a little more time to focus on the league as a whole. Uh, we'll start, we'll start firing some winners out there. Got to have weird, it, getting weird on mid season NBA lines. Love a good, love a good Wednesday night. Love a good Wednesday night NBA line when nothing else is happening in the world of sports. I, I've uh, I've drawn some attention now for tweeting out the Hawks line in the same fashion every night with uh, if you enjoy that sort of thing as the tagline. People have started to notice that I've done this, and it's because look, not everybody likes it, but I do. I like to know point spreads. It's fun. Hey, the Hawks, we'll, don't, uh, the Hawks never cover. That's probably the reason. But we will. Hey, and and just a little teaser. January, I'm sure we'll have a, a live from uh, live from the strip pod. Yeah, live, uh, live, locked on Hawks is coming there. We'll, we'll have to live from live from Her- the the wind superbook, the oh, wind sure. sportsbook. Excuse me, or maybe Westgate superbook. You know, we might we might twist it up. But one, uh, one of those. Uh, live but yeah. from one of our home away from homes. <laughs> Certainly. Well, uh, thank you, Robbie, for doing this on short notice. Everybody else, uh, we'll be back on Monday. The Hawks play twice this weekend. Uh, we didn't preview those games because we didn't pre- preview those games, but we'll see how things go on Friday and Saturday, and then we'll be back on Monday to uh, sort of recap it all. And as always, everybody, thanks for listening.